Welcome back to another week of education where parenting and Jewish education merges. This episode of the pre-Pesach series was a real treat with really simple ways to make the Seder and Pesach more meaningful. If you recall back to the episode with Rabbi Kamenetsky, you may recall Rabbi Kamenetsky mentioning that his wife is amazing with everything, but you know specifically to speak to her about Pesach and the Seder. And I was really excited to have this conversation, and it did not disappoint. Mrs. Kamenetsky is so relatable with so many amazing ideas that really don't have to be so crazy or time-consuming to pull off. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to thank this week's sponsors. Cedar Market, located in Teaneck, New Jersey, Cedar Market is your one-stop shop for all of your Pesach needs. Whether you're home, going away, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need. If you'd like to sponsor our future episodes, please reach out to us on our website, education.org, and remember to sign up for our mailing list or WhatsApp and to give a podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Jeducation Podcast. My name is Yair Manchel. Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merge to give our children the best possible experience. Whether you chose to be an educator by profession or not, we are all Jewish educators. Day in and day out in our own homes, we are educating our children on what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a good person. And sometimes, perhaps most of the time, the education children receive in their homes is more impactful than the formal education they receive in school. Check us out at jeducation.org today and remember to subscribe to the podcast. This week's guest is Mrs. Elisheva Kamenetsky. Mrs. Kamenetsky is the principal of Judaic Studies at SK, helps high school for girls. Mrs. Kamenetsky is a mentor and advisor to alumni, a college teacher, an adult lecturer, and has given workshops and shirim on Pesach, focusing on the teaching component of the night. So I want to say a major thank you to you for taking time, especially right before Pesach, when I know you're so busy with, with school and also getting your own Seder preparations. And really a major thank you for taking the time to talk to education. Really a pleasure and yashakach uh, for everything that you're doing for sharing so many beautiful ideas and uh, fundamentals about Jewish education. Mm, thank you, thank you. So first things first, what inspired you to go into Jewish education? It's actually an excellent question since I... Um, my original trajectory actually did not have me headed towards really? Jewish education. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, all the way through college, honestly, I was preparing for another career. I was always super passionate about um, Torah, Torah ideas. I loved learning on my own. I loved sharing those ideas in small groups with my friends and small learning environments. But I never really saw myself as somebody what with was the that capacity. Other career. Um, it was actually occupational therapy. Really? That's what oh, I, uh, cool. yeah, that's, I was, uh, scheduled to go for my master's and, uh, at Columbia for occupational therapy and, um, met my husband and we decided to spend a year in Israel, took a little break and hiatus, um, from my own career in that sense. Right, right. And, uh, began to learn and study there and had some small teaching opportunities like I was just discussing. And then my career kind of took a shift. Wow. Wow. Never really so looked cool. back. Yeah. What, how, what was that? How did that take that shift in the first place? For that, I have to give enormous credit to Mechanechet uh, Par Excellence, Mrs. Chaya Newman, Allah Shalom. Ah, yeah, yeah. She had been my, um, I actually went to Berea High School. Mm. And uh, she met me that year in Israel when she came to visit her students and alumni. And she invited me to come to Berea and uh, really mentored me. Really? And wow. uh, encouraged me. That was to where fly. you first started off. That's where I, I actually taught in the school that I wow. went to. That's so cool. And uh, it was really Mrs. Newman who, frankly, nurtured and really grew so many machanchot into, uh, you know, people who really 
are leading their own institutions and uh, being wow. mushed beyond others. That's yeah, incredible. Wow. Yeah. wow. It is an incredible story in and of itself. Wow. Yeah. So speaking about Chinuch, so I, you know, I know we, when we spoke about about the Pesach Seder, you really treat it as a as a Chinuch opportunity, as and, and it is a Chinuch opportunity, but you really. More, you know, focus on it in a, in a very pedagogical sense. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, what's your, what's your approach? What is that? So I, I always say to myself that Seder night is the night that everybody becomes teachers. Mm. Um, and uh, it's really the night of teaching and passing on the Masora. And I, I guess as I started studying education more formally, which frankly was, you know, a number of years after I'd been teaching in the right, classroom, right. I came to recognize, um, like in so many other areas, of psychology and uh, you know sociology, that so many of the fundamentals and real tenets you know that make up those fields, and in, in this case, the field of Jewish education or education, are really fundamentals of Judaism. Right. And that you know when we think about good teaching and what good teaching looks like, experiential learning, using visualizations, active learning the concept of, you know, just kids needing to be happy and having fun. Sure. Um, and even I, I actually came to see this as well in the Seder, the notion of big ideas mm. um, are all things that Chazal really understood yeah. and encouraged us and put into place on the Seder night. Yeah, the Balagada was, was yeah, a, yeah. a real mechanic ahead <laughs> of us. You know. par excellence. Exactly. And, and the way the Rambam describes what should be happening at the Seder, the Me'iwi talks about, Again, you know, using little toys and nuts and things to right, right. engage the children. These are all things that are pedagogically sound and, and understood by great educational theorists. And and therefore, if we kind of look at, you know, where education has gone and, and things which have developed as being good teaching, we can kind of bring them back into our Seder mm. and, and hopefully really come full circle, making our Seder a more meaningful wow, experience. That's so cool. So what what are some of those you know the, let's let's break it down those big ideas those active learning the experiential right. what what are some of those things that you right. that you have so, brought in so um, you know certainly in terms of experiential learning um, you know that's clearly the notion of kiiluhu yatsam in Israel that somehow we're supposed to um, you know kind of feel ourselves as if we came out of Mitzrayim. So, you know, how do you do that for so many, yeah. your children who are, you know, either in the five towns, New Jersey, right. you know, LA, whatever it is that it's like, we're not, we're not, we, we definitely did not experience any Correct. Mitzrayim, you know, anytime recently. So. so I always say that that's actually one of the most important things to realize when anybody sits down at the Seder, they're really no different than any teacher in the classroom in the sense that in all likelihood, whether there's two people at your Seder or 25 people at your Seder, there's a group of diverse learners sitting mm. at that table. That's a great point. So whether they are of different ages, different levels of interest and engagement in the subject matter, or their styles of learning are right. different. Right, That's right. what's happening at the Seder. So Bubby and Zadie may, you know, be needing one thing or looking for something and the little toddlers for something else. And I think like any good teacher, you have to plan a little bit for right. those diverse learners and those diverse needs. Sure. And also recognize that at any given moment, you're not likely to be meeting all of the needs all of the time right. and that that's not necessarily the the goal. So when you speak about, let's say, experiential learning, I think it actually looks really different for different types of learners mm -hmm. and for different aged kids. Um, you know, clearly, I, I'm a huge fan of costumes um, at the Seder. 
Uh, and interestingly, I remember my father-in-law, uh, a machanich par excellence. Yes, of course. Um, Rav David Kamenetsky, Zichron Levracha. You know, he dressed up himself as Paro oh, yeah? uh, at our nice. house at the Seder. That's awesome. Um, all the time. But it's really actually, uh, it's actually in this very room. I have a closet um, where I take out all the coats. And um, it's, it's the coat closet that my children used. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the bar is a little bit lower. Right, and it's right. kind of where the jackets to grab on your way out the door are. That closet turns into a costume closet. Oh, nice. And, nice. Uh, you so know. So, what other costume besides for Paro? So, I have, um, after, after uh, you know, late October, I'm always on the prowl <laughs> for good costumes. That's smart. And, That's a good um, pro tip right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> we have tons of animal costumes, mm. multiple frogs, uh, but wild animals and, and things like that as well. On Amazon, I've purchased uh, Egyptian slave costumes. Nice. All that those really are, are togas. Right, Interestingly, right. that set came with like an overlay jacket that had some like gold ribbons and things running through it. So there's the pre Itzias Mitzrayim toga and oh, then and the, the jacket pa- ah, that nice, you can throw, nice. on, throw on over it. In your Seder, what does that look like okay, when they're putting so that, on like frogs yeah. or whatever? You know, like- so that that's actually a great question and something that I'm a, a big believer in. Relatively little is scheduled or programmed mm. in our Seder. Okay. Um, you know, right around the what might some little kids might find to be the lull of the Seder, post Manishtana, maybe for the seven, eight year olds, post the Arba Banim. Right, right. You know, we're kind of like there aren't so many high points of familiarity for them in what's going on in the Seder. Um, that's when everybody kind of, you know, the, the nine, 10 year olds may take the younger kids out of the room to uh-huh. start preparing their play. Oh, uh, nice. And it's usually ready right around the Esramakos. Oh, really? So they're <laughs> so like, right, right around they're the going out, slot. they're getting themselves exactly. into like a... Exactly, they're getting their thing and they come back in and put on their Yitzhak awesome. Smith's Ryan play, generally right around the time we're ready for some wild animals and frogs <laughs> uh, and, awesome. and Mitzrim to show up. Um, again, it's not programmed, it's not scheduled, it's kind of like when you need a diversion, right. when, when some are getting restless, sure. allows for those older children to have um, you know some leadership role exactly and 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 a more mature conversation and discussion that isn't just you know based on who can sing manishtana the loudest or or whatever is happening there i I do think that outside of costumes there are definitely other ways i have to give credit to a, a woman um who i met actually through taking my students to visit uh, New Square. Her name is Mrs. Dina Briney-Smith. And she shared an idea once with me, which is also so simple. Um, Actually, the preparation for this doesn't take place at the Seder in that lull, but actually takes place on Erev Yantif, Mm -hmm. which is another time that children sometimes need (laughs) things to be occupied with. Um, And frankly, I in general find that the more that people invest, you know, Misha Tarach Erev Shabbos, clearly Chazal teach us if you work to prepare for Shabbos, sure. then you're going to enjoy Shabbos yeah, more. Yeah. Um, I find that like anything, Rav Dessler teaches us, the more you invest in something, the more connection you have to it. Right, right, um, of course. So, you know, children who prepare for the Seder before Yantif also mm. have a certain level of excitement. Yeah, that's a great So point. her idea, um, and I haven't looked yet this year for what they look like, but they've been extremely affordable in the past, was actually to buy slipcover for chairs, the type that a caterer might use if you decide that you want to have a sure. Navy chairs, right. and they'll put a slip cover over the general chair that's mm-hmm. in the catering hall. Um, Amazon, again, the times where I've bought them, they've been, you know, 12 for $25. Right. Really, really very affordable. And my kids have, you know, taken those slip covers 
put them on chairs, but then they spend Erev Yantiv decorating them wow. with sticky jewels oh, and cool. sequences. To make it like and, a... Yeah, like, this is a royal it, table. Yeah. There is, this is a hush of place. This is the Rechush Gadol that we came out with. Correct. Nice. Exactly right. I think it's actually particularly nice. And again, it's not at all gender specific, but... Um, you know, for those homes where it's the men who lean on, you know, on a pillow and the girls or the women don't necessarily, that's not right. their minhag to do that. And sure. some, some do, um, it, it makes every chair, you know, kind of have that, yeah, that that's nice. that's very cool. um, and it is, it is really, it's a really cool activity, yeah. but also experiential. We're sitting at a at a table of royalty. Yeah, we, yeah, we, I love that. We left Baruchush Gadol, Mamlechus Kohanim, Agoy Kadosh. There's something uh, very very special about that. So I think there are a lot of ways that you can help create that experience. Most of those things are for the younger children. Right. I, I do think that taking the theme of Avdus Techeros to a space that um, maybe is a little bit more mature, the recognition that you don't have to be in physical slavery. Mm. Um, but to really, you know, create conversation and and questions for reflection about what does enslave us, um, you know, to me clearly in our generation we're enslaved to technology, of course, right. to our phones. Um, we don't often have so many opportunities to really create conversation around that right. or to kind of really, you know, digest that reality. Right. And it's a great what opportunity it looks like. to just yeah, get into that because you kind of have an excuse to be talking yeah, about yeah. that which which we're bound to and that which we're enslaved to. So there is something uh, very, very powerful about that. So the experiential, mm -hmm. I think, can happen through raising topics of conversation um, or through, you know, if, it, if it's not your thing to start having plays and acting out at the Seder, then right. uh, there are other ways also. And for parents who are not educators, who are not, you know, necessarily as well versed in leading that type of conversation, you know, what, what advice would you give? Yeah, so I, I think that's... Uh, that's a that's a that's a great question. I I actually think that it, it's not like you need to be armed with a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, I really think it's more about creating the space for thoughtful, meaningful conversation. Right, right. Um, and I I actually always remind people, kids have a lot to say, if they're given the space and right. they feel that people are really listening. Right, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And they feel like people are really listening. They feel safe. They've been given something to think about or reflect upon. We happen to, I, in, I, I, both both formally in school and, you know, in situations like this, I think it's cool to even just, you know, have cards that you pass around with different questions or prompts. It happens to be so much available online yeah, um, yeah. about these things. I will, um, I will give a real shout out to Rev. Ramon's Haggadah. It's yeah. called the Family Haggadah. Yeah, it's amazing. It has phenomenal reflection questions at almost every point in the Seder that really do help you kind of have conversation starters. Mm. Um, but I'll say again, I, I don't think these conversations should be so structured and rigid and planned. Right. If we're active listeners, if we, as you said, make the area safe for people to speak and to share their ideas... Um, kids flow. will talk. Yeah. yeah, they really will. Totally. They totally. really will. And you mentioned before that the experiential component is more so for the younger children. Like we know in high school, you know, education that, you know, high schoolers love that too. Is there ways to make it an experiential educational experience for them too? Or is that like less, less of the focus for you? So, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, where the experiential pieces is defined, you know, depending on the relationships. Um, it, it could very well be that a high school kid would be happy to help lead the younger kids in a play. Mm -hmm. 
I think there's another type of experiential learning that is, to me, a really integral part of the Seder, um, and that is helping our teenagers, and they're, frankly, not all so skilled at this, engage in meaningful dialogue mm. with other people at the Seder. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, our, our teenagers are used to connecting and socializing in snapchat sna yeah <laughs> instagram exactly. and tiktok exactly right. correct um you know obviously uh you know an orthodox seder is not going to have uh, technology at it sure and and even just um you know giving them the experience of engaging with their with the other people at the seder i think is something which is very very powerful um we we did something a few years ago um, as a as a as a theme um, for you know that I thought was going to be a one off kind of a thing, mm -hmm. and it was so so powerful and so beautiful that we um, really try to incorporate this you know regularly. Yeah. Obviously, our last two years have not been so typical, sure, sure. but it's coming back again this year. The nice. Ezrat um, Hashem, you know, so much of the seder is really about the older generation whatever that is, parent, grandparents, right, if right. you're you know, lucky enough in our Zohar to have great-grandparents at the Seder, really passing down the Mesora to the next generation. Sure, That's sure. really the theme of it all. Um, so uh, a number of years ago, we had the tremendous chus of my children having parents, grandparents, and a great-grandparent wow. at the Seder. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, it was very, very special. Uh, and I was a little challenged, honestly, about the diverse learners at the right. table. You know, some some would want the seder to move a little faster. Mm -hmm. Some were, you know, just back from yeshiva yeah. and we're gonna want to give over every 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 of chayim and yeah. And, and thank God, some wonderful elementary school children with their big fat haggadahs and right, they want right. to speak everything. So um, I wanted to just kind of make sure that there would be an opportunity for everyone to stay focused. So we came up with um, six places in the haggadah where my husband, who leads the seder, um, I I kind of marked his haggadah with a a big question mark, and we mm -hmm. called it Sha'al Avicha V'yagedcha. Ask an older person at the table, um, and they will they will share yeah, yeah, right. their experiences. Cool. Um, and the way that it worked was uh, on Erev Yantif, I polled the older generation mm. um, with these six with six questions. So you, meaning one, you, you already chose which areas it was going to exactly. Do. Okay. I pre-chose the areas. So one I remember was Maror. Mm -hmm. One was. Um, Right. And I asked questions like, what's something that was, uh, you know, in your life that was a, a bitter time? Mm. Uh, and how did you deal with that adversity, wow. with that difficult time? Such a cool idea. Yeah. Wow. And the other was, um, you know, what's a time where you, something you felt enslaved to? And, and describe the the feeling of liberation right, when you were right. able to move beyond that enslavement. It's a great way to make, like, kind of like, push the the conversation between the older generation, exactly. and the generation which otherwise exactly doesn't necessarily right. always so the older generation was primed in advance right. they they got a uh, you know a sheet with the questions and i actually asked them to respond so that i could make sure that everybody had a turn uh -huh. uh, in a true teacher fashion <laughs> nice nice uh, my husband had a cheat sheet um but what was kind of cool is that under the younger children's plates um they had that question so in other words uh. under Maishi's plate was the question of what's something bitter in your life and how did also you deal like with that adversity? You make sure that every single one of them right. had a but chance to But they didn't know that. it was under their plate. Ah. So my husband who had the cheat seat gets up tomorrow and he turns to Maishi and he says, Maishi, 
look under your plate. Ah, and my, right. she read the question out loud. And then my husband called upon the person in the older generation who, was who had a, wow. a, a, That's you awesome. know, an answer that was uh, you know, particularly compelling. And then he that there was a dialogue now between Maishi and Zadie, mm. and they were able to you know converse that way. So, uh, to me, that's experiential learning. Also, yeah, very that's much so. uh, that's teaching how to have a conversation, how to listen, how to use a prompt in a way that that can really be that way, wow. but also is a true fulfillment of totally. what we're trying to accomplish. Sure, sure. So you mentioned before it's a lot about the preparations. So what other preparations should we be doing now as we're you know getting closer to Pesach? Frankly, I actually have a long, long list. Okay, let's hear. Uh, no, but I, I assume you mean in connection to making a seder more meaningful. Oh, you're, yeah. you're saying like that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there's not, a long not the shopping and the cleaning, <laughs> right? The and things like that. I actually think, and this is really important. You know, sometimes you hear people speak about it, or you see things online, and you know, it feels like these are things that take enormous amount of effort or you have to be super artistic to be creating these incredible experiential tablescapes and, right, and right. things like that. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I really, uh, this is not any false humbleness or anything. I, I really try to keep the preparations relatively simple. Nice. Um, you know, the, the, the ideas are things which, you know, sometimes take time to come up with, but once I've heard them, they almost all of them involve an index card mm. um, or something like that, and or um, couldn't be done by children ages nine and above, mm, which nice. is another nice thing. Yeah, that's so, very nice. You know, if they're involved in in those questions, um, I'll, I'll just give you another example of something that I once did. Again, it, it um, sounds a little bit dated, but it goes back to the uh, Yahoo slogan of "You've got mail." Uh. Um, we. We, I had my high school children at the time um, write letters to the younger children mm. who were going to be at the Seder. And thank God we generally have a Seder where it's not just their own younger siblings, but their cousins and, right, right. and other younger children there. Um, and the older children, I gave them all a theme from Mitzrayim. So whether it was somewhere at the time of the Makos, somewhere you know, early on in Mitzrayim, mm -hmm. somewhere... Um, during the you know the time of the Vodas Parach, everybody right. had a different, and they they wrote a letter um, from Mitzrayim to somebody living uh, in the 21st century. Cool. Um, so it was like one of these like historical kind of you know novel kind of letters. Yeah. Um, and we I actually purchased on Amazon one of those um, you know mailboxes with the red flag that yeah, goes up. Yeah, yeah. And we put the mailbox in the middle of the Seder table. Really? Oh, and cool. here I didn't pre-program where it was going to go, but it was kind of at those lulls where people were kind of losing interest and getting fetchy. Uh -huh. uh, so we would like just pull, pull up the red flag and say, you've got mail. Let's see who has a letter. Oh, cool. Open the mailbox. And again. And it was it was already addressed to someone. It was always that, uh -huh. everybody had a letter addressed to them. Very and cool. frankly, whoever at that moment was fetchiest. Generally got the letter. <laughs> That's um, awesome. That's and so it was cool. a letter from their cousin who was sitting at the table, but the cousin had taken the midrashim that they know, mm. and they and I kind of pulled out a bunch of haggadahs and other some fabulous books, the Let My Let My People Go series. Yeah, yeah. I remember one of my boys pulling, you know, pouring over that to write his letter, That's just so kind cool. of trying to do it's that. Also gives them get them really invested, like you said before, like the preparation Correct. that they're doing. Then they're really invested in it. Yeah, wow. yeah. So again, there is preparation on my part, aside from just trying to think about what some of those ideas are, 
I, I'm, it's really relatively simple because right. there's a lot to do in our Totally, <laughs> it's not not, not so easy to. So, it's so relatable what you're saying. Yeah, for but but it is it is cool to get older kids involved in that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I know you. So you're saying that you have you also have everything focused around a theme. What okay, are those, yeah. What are those so I'll, of I'll 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 share that the the, the first you know I I, I am uh, waiting for the day where we are we will be uh, having one seder and not two. As mm. Hashem, it should be for all of Kali Yisrael. Amen. Karov. Amen. Amen. Um, but Kolzman that the Kamenetskis are uh, living in Chutz Laaretz. We we do have two seder, and I I found that the the first seder you know will have some of these types of things going on, whether it's just to keep everyone's interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is an opportunity for people to share their divrei Torah, ask their questions, and to, you know, have what I imagine is a Seder that looks like, you know, most people's Seder. Right, right. I, I did often find that when we sat down to that second Seder, it really did feel like Yom Tov Sheni Shalgalias. Mm. It does feel like a rerun and a repeat, and it. It, it loses a little bit yeah. of his his chachos, its sense of newness and excitement. And I guess in an effort to distinguish between the two, but also to share educational theory about that education is best when it's around a big idea, Mm -hmm. that maybe what happens in in most of our homes on the first night, which again, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't take away a young child's excitement at sharing their Haggadah and everything like that, is lots of little bitty ideas um, that at the end of the night, even though we're supposed to be engaging in conversation and discussion, you know, if you said to somebody, so what did you talk about last night? Mm-hmm. People yeah. would have a hard time saying what we spoke about. Right. I, it was that idea. And maybe I remember half of this idea. But, you know, Grant Wiggins, who really is the educational theorist around this concept of big ideas, says, make sure that when you're teaching, and sometimes we get lost like this as teachers of Tanakh, sure. you know, it's Pasagal of Pasuk Bet, this Rashi, that Kliakar. What's the big idea? Right. What's the general? What's the main theme? takeaway? Yeah, right, yeah. Right. What What is our topic of conversation in this parak or or on this night? Mm-hmm. So what we started doing is on this second night, um, we have a theme. That theme could be a theme of Hakaras Hatov, could be a theme of resilience. Hashkacha Pratis has been a theme, um, and we announce the theme on Erev Yantif mm-hmm. before even the first Seder. So that if you have Divrei Torah, uh, that, which everybody has Divrei Torah, because sure. those themes are so central to yeah, it. Yeah. So it's not like I'm putting pressure on anybody. Save that one for the second night. Uh-huh. Got it. So those Divrei Torah on whatever the theme might be mm-hmm. for the second night That's aren't necessarily there. shared on the right, first night. Right, right. And then it's just so beautiful because there is Everything's a cohesive, right. unique nice. conversation. And, and frankly... Among you know older children, even eight and above, it isn't so itty bitty. Oh, this word, my Dvar Torah, like reading from the Parsha sheets. It's it's more of a flow. Oh wait, yeah, that that's what I was going to say next. Right, right, right. It connects to your idea because nice. things are going that way. And um, I had um, one of my kids, you know, who you know was just dabbling at the time in word art, not even a sophisticated graphic design created index cards that we actually use again over and over again um one says i have a dvar torah one says um this song one says i have a question one says um i have an i i have a an idea i believe is the is the other one and basically at any time in the seder that you know you are hearing somebody else speak or 
the, you know, my husband is, as everyone's reading from the Haggadah, and you say, wait, this relates to the theme. Right. Maybe it's Baruch HaMakom Baruch Hu. It's mm-hmm. not that you have a Dvar Torah, but you realize that the very words are related to our theme. So you hold up your card, uh-huh. and that's your way of And of everyone has the same cards? Everyone has the same cards about a song, an uh-huh. idea, you know, a the, question, whatever it is. They raise it up. But the idea say. is that that's how we, you know, you, we contribute, and that's how we know you have something to say. But basically on that night, the conversation does center around focus on that. one general cool. theme. And Are there I, other ways that the theme is like coming out also, or that it's really through it the, depends on the, the theme and it depends the on the kids, you know, and it depends on, on the stages. Um, right. You know, at this point, again, our, our Baruch Hashem, we are, uh, we'll be blessed to have many babies joining us for Yantif. Nice. But I, I do have, you know, kind of like a disparity between very, very young children and really children who are, high school age and above. Right. So, you know, it, again, you, like any good teacher, you're going to tailor things to your to your audience. Sure. So at, at this point, our Seder um, is a little bit more about conversation right, right. than it is about other things. But, you know, there are, if, if the theme is Amuna, I remember that year, we just stopped and, you know, had questions about, or Hashkacha Pratis, I have a story to tell about Hashkacha Pratis. Right. And, and that would be, that would be something you would come in prepared with a story or not a story? No, it's actually so, so it's just, just so, like go with the flow. yeah, it's, it's awesome. very organic that That's way. Very cool. Yeah. That's very, very cool. So, and, and then, you know, you were saying before about like the, you know, the first night is really like more of like a classic feel to it. How do you balance, you know, all the children come home with the Torah, and then you have the older children who come home from Israel or whatever it is who want to tell over all these Divrei Torah. How do you balance, you know, each kid's yeah. need and, and trying to get those, you know, goals that you're trying to accomplish on right. this night right. with balancing everyone, you know, being able to feel like I, I contributed and I yeah. said over what I wanted yeah. to say over. So I think what you're saying is actually uh, the question is a bit of the answer. I feel like everybody feeling like they have a space is is very key. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the good news is the night is long. Um, you know, the earlier part of the night to me is very logically reserved for the younger children. Right. That's when they are eager beavers, when they are physically awake yeah. um, and able to to participate. Um, you know, our, our Shulchan Aruch is has lots of space for Divrei Torah. Right, right. Um, and frankly, our lunch meals have a lot of space for sure. Divrei Torah as well. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, older children will understand and recognize that they'll have their time right. um, and their space, but uh, not trying to do it all for everybody at every moment, I think is a big key. Totally, totally. And in terms of visuals, do you do you use a lot of visuals or less visuals? So it's interesting. Again, there are times where I, where I definitely have because I do think that they're powerful. One year, um, you know, I had my kids out on the deck just taking strips of paper, painting them red, and we, you know, put our dam, our blood up on the oh, cool. mezuzah on the, doorposts yeah, and nice. things like that. Cool. I definitely, I'm, I'm not huge into, you know, the table looking like, uh, Kriyas uh, Yamsov. I, I think right. they're super cool to look at. I think they're very labor intensive in yeah. advance. And like I said, I really try to avoid things like that. Yeah. I also, awesome. I don't, you know, I, I don't know, my table ends up having so much on it. Yeah. And so it's that, that's so crowded that I think those are difficult. Um, one year when we had a lot of pre adolescents and younger adolescents, um, we did do like an ad campaign for Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Uh-huh. And that was everybody prepared something. And That's I cool. had like little easels set up 
you know, all around the dining room. Oh, very cool. Um, but That's again, it's pre like, or during that. During so the they they did it. In other words, the kids prepared them in advance, and I'm they saying used the artisans were during the yeah, uh, during and they the were season. up in my dining room throughout. They were on uh-huh. on the on the servers, and I had a few on the tables. That's cool. Um, again, a little less at the seder itself, and a little more at the lunch meals because it. again, it's just not practical. Yeah, the tables sure, pretty sure, crowded. Sure. Um, with other things that are necessary for the Seder. Um, But again, it happens just not to be my own. I'm not particularly artistic. Right. And if I had children who are, then you can be sure there'd be a lot of visuals. (laughs) Sure, sure, totally. So, you know, getting getting into the text itself, you know, the focus is really the the story, the Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. How do you, what do you do to make the text of the Seder, text of that Sipur, come alive? I think that probably the best thing um, that we've experienced, or maybe it's just the most recent, and as I said, it's going to be a keeper, is really making that text relevant by having people at the Seder talk about the text in ways that are current. So whether it's that child of Yicha V'yagedcha, trying to the older generation, yeah, or as I said, um, you know, really trying to stop. I'm not a believer in stopping at every paragraph, and certainly not at every sentence. Right. You need to know the feel. It's it's actually just like teaching. Yeah. You can have prepared a lot for a shear, and then you kind of look at your audience and, and you realize flow, that yeah, you, like, okay, you know, they're, 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 they're getting a little bored of this. We got to move this along. Right. I think is uh, is an important thing to just be aware of the needs of the constituents. Totally. Um, but I, I do think that, like I said before, I think Ramon's Haggadah is just phenomenal mm-hmm. with those kinds of reflection questions yeah, and yeah. things that really bring the text are there any alive other and relevance. Haggadahs that are like go-to Haggadahs for you? Um, in, in terms of um, visuals, um, the... Uh, the Rabbi Bari Chait yeah, Haggadah yeah, yeah, is incredible. from another oh, place. It really is. Um, and most people, just the, the pictures, uh, Gadi Pollock is the artist, and they're just really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, there's one picture in the center fold, or towards the, actually, it's more towards the beginning, but it's like a, it, the one it that folds opens out. Up. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. are a few of those. One of the, the two that, you know, just are very striking to me, one in just a, such a beautiful way is the picture actually of Kriyas Yamsov. Yeah, it's incredible. Just, you, you it really, understand. It, you it isn't just, it. It really, just water parting. It was like trees and everything, it was just gorgeous yeah. and so mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and the, the other fold out there that, or the, it's not called a fold out, but it, it fold, yeah, I think I it was you. a fold out, <laughs> comes out that way. And that's so powerful. Actually, pictures of the Shibut Mitzrayim. Right, that was the parak, right? That, 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 that older, years, bo- the older, the older man. man. Yeah, with I, the blood. I know exactly what you're referring so to. I'll tell you, there was a paper clip on those pages because yeah. my my younger boys were petrified. They would start crying when oh, they saw really? that's how real it wow. was. Wow, wow. So talk intense. about experiential. Those yeah. visuals of those kinds of Haggadahs, I think, would be so powerful. Many people don't realize that it's actually not just an incredible Haggadah in terms of its artwork, but um, that every picture is based on Torah yeah, sources. Right, based on like Madrash. So there's an yeah, appendix yeah, yeah. in the back. Totally. So it's, I'll be honest with you, I, I happen to use a different Haggadah the two nights, but one night I always use that Haggadah. Uh-huh, gotcha. um, you know, sometimes by the time I sit down to the Seder, I'm not ready for such intellectual stimulation. That'll sure. happen more either before Yantif or or on a Yantif afternoon when I'm more rested. Right. Um, and it's just so beautiful to look at the details of the pictures yeah. that are rooted in in our Masora. It's 100%. very, 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 very powerful. Um, and um, I will say it, another Haggadah, which is so special to me, is actually a beautiful Haggadah for my Mechutin, Rabbi Ari Marcus, beautiful mm. Haggadah. 
um, that I highly recommend. And Rabbi Aaron Goldscheider put together a Haggadah a few years ago called The Night That Unites. Mm, and cool. it is um, Divrei Torah from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rav Cook, and the Rav. Wow. And it is so cool. also fabulous, Amazing. fabulous. Wow, I got to check that out. Fabulous, fabulous Haggadah. Amazing. Yeah. So we spoke about themes. Do you have any, any you know, like spoke about your go-to themes. Do you have any go-to Divrei Torah that you like to share, either to you know get everyone in to 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 make that experience mm-hmm. like really come alive? So I'm going to uh, you know share that in general, um, we definitely share Divrei Torah. I actually think that our our world is a little. Uh, may I borrow from Param Vinafochu? Mm-hmm. I think that while we are meant to be sharing the Divrei Torah with our children. So much of it is about our children coming home and bringing their Divrei right, Torah. Right, right. So in general, what what I find um, an important role for a parent at the Seder is, even though we're supposed to be the ones giving things over, our schools have, and again, I think this actually dates back historically to maybe two generations ago where people weren't as yeshiva educated and their right. kids were yeshiva educated. Now, to me, it's almost more about taking their Divrei Torah and helping them internalize them, right? So that it's not just a like they not just like a lip service of like yeah, it's not the parsha sheet reading over yeah, the thing. Totally. But so what do you think about that? Sure, I find that's a little bit more of uh, of of the role to be played. Yeah, that's great. You know, like what you were saying before, like really like getting the conversation going. And yeah, yeah, that, awesome. I think that, uh, that that's what I find. That's awesome. The the, the Seder night is is. As a lot of the, you know, a lot of the Sfarim bring down the idea of like, it's the night to instill Amuna, right? It's, it's, the, it's the basis of our Amuna. How do we instill Amuna? I know we've spoken about a lot about, you know, the, the conversations and the stories. How do you, but, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's like a, it's a major task. And I, you know, in a, way, in a way, it's like, okay, let's try to like depressurize that. But at the same time, like, how can we try to approach that to, you know, do the best job we possibly can? You know, I, I I I think about this question a lot, actually, not just in the context of uh, the Seder night, because uh, you know how we transmit those kinds of values. I think a lot of it really comes from, like almost anything in Chinuch, really comes from role modeling. Right. Um, if you think about times where we as adults have been inspired in our Muna, it's often by being in the presence of somebody who is themselves a Baal Emunah. Right. So while, you know, we can have books and shelves and and read Sifre Emunah, I happen to be enjoying right now a Sefer from the base Halevi on Emunah, and I mm. think that that's important to do. Yeah. The reality is that a lot of our direct inspiration comes from being around people who themselves speak about Emunah. Um, and I, I think in general... We don't have enough Hashem talk yeah. or Emuna talk. Mm. What, is it, um, what does that mean? What is Emuna talk? I, that, that's a great question. I, I think it means um, about how we move through um, situations in our life mm-hmm. and how the fact that we are religious Jews and believe that there is a plan, even if we don't understand it always actually gives us strength to put one foot in front of the other, mm. to acknowledge that some things in life can be hard, difficult, and challenging, right, right. but that you know we, we trust that there is a plan. Maybe it's the incredible pride and comfort that we take in the fact that we are a nation that has existed against all of the odds. Maybe it's talk about the existence of our beloved Medina Israel. <laughs> Um, and and the the clarity that we have that 
it it's because of hashkachar Hashem and right. and not right. not because of anything that makes sense politically and mm-hmm. and even militarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know I think the more that we speak about that and model it, and I guess that goes back to something that I said a little bit earlier. Questions like what's maror, what has been maror right. in your life, and and how have you dealt with that adversity? Using those as springboards to talk about real things, um, you know, that you put one foot in front of the other and you move forward despite life's challenges because you believe in Hashem mm, or because Hashem point. gives you the strength to do that. I, I actually believe, and again, um, you know, that these are, are very powerful things. I once heard um, Mrs. Rookie Billet talk about the privilege of, it happened to have been at SKA, um, you know, working in a school where her children went to school right, right. and choosing to actually teach her daughters, which is not for everybody no. <laughs> and not 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 necessarily something talk about diverse learners and needing to, you know, teach to your children's needs. But she talked about what she felt was the privilege of doing it. And she made a fascinating point. She said so often on our most fundamental values, we assume that our children get them through osmosis. Mm-hmm. They know that this is what billets do. Right, they know right. this is how the Menchel family functions. This is what Kamenetskis do, etc. She said, but she always felt it was a privilege to be a teacher and to, to be like able to stand explicitly. on her soapbox cool. and yeah. say, this is what I believe. This is what I'm passionate about. Right. And I often think to myself that as parents, if we don't teach our children formally in the school, which most of us don't, right. um, you know, we don't really have that opportunity, except for the Seder night. Right. <laughs> on the Seder night, you do have the opportunity. Uh, you have the license. You have the platform. To be able to share your passions, your beliefs, connecting them to the words of the text is helpful. Frankly, if they're a tangent, it's just fine. No one's going to necessarily remember the connection to the words of the text necessarily. But that's that's the mandate that night. And you have that ability to have some God talk, to speak spirituality and to speak about your amuna. Wow, that's so powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, Wow, I really. Wow. I love that. Love that. So we, you know, we spoke about differentiating between the experiences of the of the two starm. How do you differentiate between the starm and the other Yom Tov meals? Because like it's a lot of family time together. So how do you, you know, like are there things that anything that you do to like break that up, or is it, you know, I know I you said you mentioned that some seder, of the Seder, yeah, the, I don't know. The Seder to me has its own character. Got you know, it. I don't, I don't actually don't I don't find that you know necessarily so so challenging. We definitely have, um, you know, sometimes at at Yom Tov meals. It, it happens to be that um, our family really appreciates song and singing. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know every every family has their their own their own avenues through which they express. Right. But you know right. it could it could definitely be most of our meals end up in in some pretty heavy rounds of yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> song I've, I've and singing. I've been able yeah. to be zocha to experience your husband's you know tishes yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you so know, uh, totally. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I think every family, you know, develops their own routines around the things that they do and things that that can happen. Um, you know, there are all sorts of games and things that a person can can create or play sure. if, if that's their family style. Right, right. And if not, not. I, I'm not a huge believer in elongated meals for the sake sure. of that. 
as I said before, education is great when people are having fun, yeah. when they're enjoying, when they feel comfortable and safe, not when they feel hostage to a, <laughs> totally. you know, to a routine. That's a great point. So, you know, I mentioned in the beginning that you give over Pesach workshops. Can you tell me a little bit about, about those? What, what do those look like? Yeah. So, so there I actually um, delineate some more of the reflection questions or, mm. or games that are, are played um, aligned with some of the things that we're talking about. Um, and again, more ways to get kids involved in advance in Kihilu Huyatsa. My brother, Rabbi Moshe Benovitz, uh, once had a phenomenal idea that I took the year after. Huh. Uh, one, one advantage to us not always being at the Seder with each other as right. he lives in Israel is that we can hop each other's uh, nice. uh, ideas. But he had a really cute thing. It was uh, early on in the, you know, when Google Translate was just coming out, uh, all the place cards, you know, can I know how at a large Seder? Sometimes you'll put out place cards. That's sure. actually a super fun thing for kids to decorate to and to do print, different yeah, things, you know, sure. with that in advance. Um, they were in hieroglyphics. Oh, um, cool. You know, only problem is it could delay the start of your meal, which nobody's <laughs> started your Seder, which nobody's really no interested that in night. on that night. <laughs> Second so night. Second finds night. their place. Exactly. Or lunch. Yeah, um, or something funny. like that, um, you know. So, I, you know, I, I, I think that there are, you know, that I have a, a whole host of other things, you know, that that are part of the workshop that, you know, you know, can really share and how to access them. And I really go through how very clearly emphasizing that there's not a ton of effort right. um, in advance. Sure. I, I really mean that. But it is about consciously dedicating a focus to not just kind of showing up at the Seder, but how are we going to make that Seder meaningful? Wow, that's awesome. If I could put you on the spot, what would you say is like your top either one or two things that like from the from the workshop that if you could give over? I, I'm going to share something which has now, and not because of me, and there are other people that have had these thoughts and ideas, but has become super popular, um, that I will tell you when I first tried it, everybody thought we were crazy. Really? Um, but... Um, there is uh, never a year uh, at the Seder that we do not play the game headbands. Mm. Um, the reason why headbands has become such a staple is because it really works. Me cuts on ad gadol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hashem, my grandmother, we've been so to have her at our Seder. Wow. She wears a headband. No way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the three-year-old wears a headband yeah, as that's well. that's awesome. Everybody, my husband, everybody does. Um, but what the other reason why it's a staple is it's all question based. Um, oh, that's that's a whole topic we haven't really even touched. Talk about educational theory. Yeah, engaging questions. Right, that's true. You know, that's and true. stimulating questions. Everything is and, to get the children. Yeah, tasks. exactly. That's that's one hundred and one. And you know, really trying to create engagement yeah. is through through children questioning and 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 having their questions heard and right. and uh, you know validated and appreciated and ultimately hopefully. So how do you answered. how do you do that? How do you get so headbands to, uh, is super cool. Um, headbands is a game where you wear a headband and again it's a game that's sold i think by yeah, Mattel no, I, or whatever it is right. so we just buy cvs terry you know pack of 20 20 headbands everyone's wearing a different color uh this is the part that i love is that again my index cards are everything yeah these are index cards that are placed vertically in the headband nice um and my kids make up all the clues in advance the cool part is that they've been doing it since they're little so some of them the clue is a word like paro or pitom varamses, uh -huh. and again, 
you can vary the level of difficulty for the words right, and right. you can give the cards out strategically mm -hmm. to different people. So a 14 year old is guessing differently than a four year old. Um, but you also don't have to have words. You can have pictures. Mm. So the four-year-old can they be can making like up the clues because right. they just draw something. Yeah, and cool. sometimes it's actually challenging to decipher right. <laughs> what it is that they <laughs> drew. Funny. That could be the, a piece of it. Um, but the idea being that everybody then has to ask a series of questions. Mm. Of course, and there's learning going, going on, on about it and conversation that takes yeah. place. Lots of laughter. Yeah, a, because awesome. it's comical to see everybody in their yuntif gear, their kitzel, their everything, you know, wearing... Wearing a nice headband, headband with an index, index card, card. <laughs> exactly. But also because real conversation gets generated. So yeah. um, I find that there's never any real pushback um, on playing headbands because everybody's actually machshiv right. that there's something of purpose in this, whether it's to create a little laughter or to have everybody focused on one thing at the right, same time. Right. That's Not fine. that many opportunities. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. a. That's an oldie but goodie. We, you know, just as we get to the end, you know, you just mentioned, like, we haven't really touched so much on that idea of, like, getting the children to ask. How do you, you know, besides for the classics ones that are already built into the to the Seder, into the, by the Balagada, are there other things that you do? Or how do you, you know, you and your husband, like, who are both educators par excellence, like, really get the children to ask? Yeah. Um, so I'll say, and this may seem a little, a little, um, you know, artificial, but going back to that right. that's actually the premise of that. Uh -huh. The children are asking the older people that. Um, in that experience, it's very rare that they don't ask a follow-up question uh -huh. or to be encouraged to ask a follow-up question. Uh, we happen not to be big reward people, but clearly, you know, any follow-up question would get a candy or would get a something as a, a methodology that, right, that right. people might choose to use. Um, but I think my primary response to the question is um, a little bit of Revolbi, um, mm. uh, where he speaks about Zuria Ubinyan. Right, right. You know, if you're hyper focused on getting them to ask, chances are they're going to be intimidated to ask and mm. feel a pressure. Interesting. Um, to me, it's much more about planting seeds. Um, it's about reading an article. It's about and sharing just something. What's going to pique their interest? Yeah, interesting. and knowing your kids. And knowing what, like I said, those diverse learners and thinking a little in advance, what will speak to them. Um, you know, I I remember purchasing, a, a, you know, a Harry Potter Haggadah. Mm. Um, I'm not a particular Harry Potter fan. Right. The notion of bringing Harry Potter and <laughs> J.K. Rowling to my Seder is not something that <laughs> to you. me is the ultimate in Emuna and Kedusha. But. Uh, for that particular child at that age and stage, that's what was going to make something. Right. And the actual conversation in Divrei Torah that came from that, I remember being so, I don't even want to say pleasantly surprised, overwhelmed really? wow. by the depth of where things went and that's things so cool. took. So you kind of enter into their mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and like I said, plant those seeds and you'd be surprised by where things come. But if there's an environment of, uh, it's nice line of questions. You haven't asked a question yet. Right, you know, right, right, right. I, I think we're going to be, be squelching like there. Intense. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're going to be squelching any real possibilities. Totally. We need to kind of lay the groundwork, show ourselves to be curious, questioning people, make, as you said before, um, so astutely, make the environment safe to ask those questions. Right, right. Um, be open and vulnerable. 
you know, when we're asked those questions, whether it's about what we know or don't know, what we understand or don't understand, or difficulties and challenges. Right. That I feel we've like part of it's like that for a, a parent to feel like maybe sometimes nervous, like, oh, they're going to ask me a question I, I don't know the answer to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't we hard. as educators feel that way sometimes? Yeah, for sure. But 100%. we've all learned that the best answer in those situations is I don't know. And yeah. maybe we can find out together. Great point. You know, that's yeah. such a powerful experience. Very true. As we wrap up, is there any final message that you want to share with, with you know, with our listeners, with the, all the educators, parents and educators who are preparing for Pesach? You know, any final message? Yeah, I, I, I think it's important that, you know, I think when you hear things like this, they can sometimes sound overwhelming and almost intimidating. Um, you know, I, I do thank God it's, you know, been, uh, you know, uh, decades of of having Siddharam with my children and now Baruch Hashem with my grandchildren. Um, and um, none of this all happened in one year. Right, right. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, a really a, a long time of kind of building a repertoire and of having diverse learners at my table of different ages with different needs. And 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 nobody has to feel like they need to have twenty things going on or a lot. You know, you need to have your costumes and your and your games and your Jivri Torah and you know, just just try to be mindful and thoughtful about what would be something that your children would enjoy and and don't be scared to experiment um, not everything that we've done is a repeat performance and um i think that when your children see that you're investing in making it a meaningful experience uh that will automatically create yeah, more a, a message to them for yeah, sure exactly amazing well thank yeah. you so so much thank you really. thank to you, you so too. so much to and, you too. Uh, it was really a pleasure wonderful thank you I really love the approach that Mrs. Kamenetsky takes, really approaching the Seder as a class, as a teaching experience. First and foremost, realizing the diverse learners that there are at the Seder and being able to roll with things when you see that things are not going as planned or as, you know, as you wanted them to. I really loved the idea of and I love the idea of having the second Seder be focused on a specific theme using this concept of big ideas. And last but certainly not least, I really love the idea of helping our children internalize the divertor that they come home with, getting them off the sheet that they're reading. And, you know, because we know that our children are going to come home with so many divertor, but let's help them make it real. Let's help them feel it. Not just reading off something that they heard from the Rebbe or their Mora, but helping them to internalize it. it. That's awesome. I love that point so much. And who doesn't love headbands at the Seder? Amazing stuff. We'll see you back here next time for another episode in the Pre-Pesach series. Hey, no. hey, no. hey.